Now, now Liam Cattle's going to speak to us. His, his experience is different, more varied, I think, than anybody I know. He's done so many things. I first spotted him as economics correspondent uh, for RTE, but he's done a wealth of other things as well. And um, all with, uh, dare I say it, great zest. <coughs> I just see, can I maintain some of this renowned zest for the next <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes and see that you'll be the judges of that, of course. Um, well, good afternoon, colleagues. Um, when Kieran asked me to, uh, uh, to talk to you about today about where the freelance market is developing, my reaction was a little bit similar to Claire's, uh, talking about the new skills and so on that, that would be approached. And that was because it's almost 50 years now since I dipped my toe for the first time in freelance journalism and in, in the market. And I asked myself, what can I usefully say uh, in a situation where over that time the nature and structure of media in Ireland has changed so much? Uh, we used to have one national broadcasting station that went off for two hours in the middle of the morning. Uh, we had no domestic TV st station. And a web was something you might find in an untidy room. And social media meant looking up the entertainment pages of the evening paper to see where you might go to see a film. But when I thought about it a bit more, and I think a little bit like what Claire was saying too, I came to the conclusion that even in that changed and changing landscape, I had changed and adapted as well. For example, I had learned how to do HTML coding to build a web page. And although the landscape has changed, not only superficially but fundamentally, I came to the conclusion that many of the principles and practices that had helped me get into mainstream journalism are still relevant. Journalism is not a hobby. I mean, we all want to earn a living from it. And we want to do it in a way that gives us job satisfaction and a sense of achievement. So in preparing for this afternoon, that is the kind of practical view that has informed my approach in terms of what, what I was thinking of and what I might say to you. So I will look, try to look at practical strategies to survive and prosper. I will also, from my own experience, give you some examples of to back that up and to show you how sometimes that can happen. And these are all learned understandings that I've acquired, they're learned ideas. And I'll go through, it's a long enough list, but the thing is, some of them work on their own, some of them work in combination with others, and I'm not for any moment suggesting that you need to do all of them. And I am well aware that there are people in the room who are already doing some of the things that I'm, I'm going to mention. The objective in journalism is to get published and get paid, of course. And if that's not happening for you, and if it's not happening fast enough, I say self-publish in order to kickstart it. Write a blog, be active on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Use it as a shop window to highlight your ideas and research. In my case, I was at a stage, I think it was around 2006, 2007, one job had ended, I wasn't clear in my mind, 
where I was going to go next. I knew at that stage I still wanted to stay writing about politics and so on. So one morning I said to myself, I am going to write a blog at 12 o'clock every day. I'm going to call it the 12 o'clock blog and whatever is the big news or current affairs story of that morning, I will write about it. Now, I didn't keep to the discipline of 12 o'clock every day, but I did it for a number of months. And within a few months, it had attracted the attention of the Irish language editor of the Irish Times. And it also got me a number of opportunities to do pieces with, with Radio Nagueltacta. And I'm just making the connection for you. I said, I want to do political journalism as a freelance. So how do I make people come and ask me to go and do it? Another good idea I found was to start my own content website uh, and be strategic in selecting what kind of th themes or topic you're going to make that website about. It builds your profile, it builds your portfolio, and it shows to people who might want to commission you, whether they are in the mainstream uh, old type media, or indeed, as Claire was saying, in an organization or in a voluntary group, it shows this is what I, I write, this is how I can write, this is how I can build audience. In my case, uh, at a certain stage, because my native county was doing very well in GAA, I said I would like to do sports journalism, GAA journalism. And I felt, maybe it was in my head I was wrong, that because my background was in industrial coverage, in economics coverage, and in political co coverage, that no commissioning sports editor in their right mind would look at me. So I, I felt I needed to build credibility and to show that I could write about sport. So I built my own website. It was called on Farua, the GA Unplugged. It took five years of late nights, early mornings, snatched lunch breaks to make that reach a point where it began to lift off the runway. And then there were seven good years after that. So I don't want to be all starry-eyed with you. That was five years of persistence to get to that result. But it got to the point where I was writing for match programs all over the country. I was doing a column every Monday morning for the Irish Examiner for four or five years. I was writing for GAA magazines. I was doing uh, parts in radio and television documentaries on GAA topics. The point is, if you, if you develop, if you have a strategic aim, you have to put the work in to bring you towards achieving that aim, and you have to take the time and the patience that's necessary in order to do it. Become an expert on a few topics. An expert. Claire was making a point, which I think is interesting, that so much of the media uh, these days is commissioning experts or celebrities to write content. And as part of the fight back, if you want to use that term, against that process, maybe we as journalists ourselves have to, apart from the core competencies that she mentioned, it's a good idea if either locally or nationally you are identified in commissioning editors' minds or in news editors' minds as the go-to person on a particular topic or topics. I see a colleague of mine, I live in County Meath, who has become, made himself the go-to person for news and for features in relation to the north-south pylons interconnector, for example. Um, so to identify what you might be an expert on, look into your own life and experience, the things that you can build ex expertise in. Taking my own example, 
I started off working in collecting taxes and I was involved in the union and industrial relations. So what did I do? I started writing about taxes, budgets, collecting taxes, tax advice, industrial relations problems, pay agreements, national wage agreements for the old Irish press group. So in other words, I could have, like thousands of the other civil servants at the time kind of said, ah, yeah, I just collect taxes or you know, I just go to negotiations with management. But I saw that was a, an expertise or a core mm. expertise that I could turn into stuff that I could write that somebody would want to publish and that somebody would want to read. Somebody once said to me after I had written a book that every journalist should write a book. And I agree with that. Because it gets you noticed, it gets coverage based on the book. And there was a time uh, when self-publishing was looked down upon a little bit. I don't do that anymore. I think if you have to go the road of self-publishing, go the road of self-publishing. And you will find, certainly my experience was, that we journalists are actually very generous to each other when somebody else has written and published a book. Uh, it's, it's, it's very encouraging that people in whatever media they are will mention it, will give it reviews, will give it right up, will give a profile of you or will do, uh, will do um, an interview with you. And out of doing that book, I was interested in labour history, I was interested in the War of Independence, so I did a book on an event uh, called the Limerick Soviet or the Limerick General Strike in 1919. Uh, the book was called Forgotten Revolution. And um, that brought me into doing features, interviews, radio and TV documentaries, and talks to groups and students and people coming to me in relation to their thesis and so on. And I'm doing it again now because the centenary is coming up next year and hopefully that wheel will turn again uh, for me. There are a number of sort of structures that are there that you can get in through as well. BAI documentaries, for example. Uh, they are, from time to time, looking for freelance journalists to come up with an idea of something that would make a good radio, especially radio or television documentary. Community, voluntary radio. I would say think about getting involved there for the experience it gives you of making and editing programs, of presenting programs, of researching programs, of researching news for radio. And it also, of course, extends your profile and your context in the, in the immediate hinterland of wherever you happen to be living at that time. I've written it down here, do voluntary, community, campaign, PR. Unlike Kieran, I would have interrupted <laughs> the PR ex expert. Um, get involved. You may be a member of something or you may have to offer. And if you are offering, just be careful that if there is somebody else there working in PR in that area, that you work with them and you get on the same page with them and you become a team rather than somebody who displaces somebody because that, that can cause you problems. In my case, uh, I did a lot of uh, voluntary work um, for GA club, for soccer club, for Cúnlá and the Irish language, and at one stage also uh, for the Labour Party. But all of these things brought me into contact with people, got me published, if you like, wearing my PR hat for them, my voluntary hat, and it meant that when the question would be asked, well, can you write, or what can you write, you'd say, yeah, I've been doing this for the X number of years for such and such a soccer club. Cross-publish your content. 
across different platforms. Maybe cut and paste it a little bit. Cut, slice and dice it a little bit, depending on whether it's print, whether it's radio, whether it's television, or whether it's on the web. I was very influenced by a thing I read many, many years ago in the Harvard Business Review, which influenced the way I approached journalism from that point. And they said, only the first copy of anything costs you time and money. All subsequent copies are free. So if you invest your time and some of your cash in researching a feature for, let's say, a Sunday newspaper, there's nothing to stop you slicing and dicing and repurposing that in some other way for some other type of media platform. Why? Because you've done all the work for it, you've been paid for that work, and you still have the content to work with. I think photography is worth looking at as well. Do at least a basic course and get a reasonably good camera because good photos will lift anything you're working on. And there may be a conversation where somebody says, that's a good piece, I like what you're doing, but have you, have you, you know, uh, can we have some photographs to go with it as well? Now, I realise that since I started, um, not since I started talking, but since I started working, that there is much more uh, national diversity in journalism in Ireland than there used to be, and that's a good thing. And maybe what I'm going to say now may apply to some people, and it's this. It's the Irish language. There are people, there may be people in the room, who have a good knowledge of the Irish language. Mm -hmm. There may be some people who are not far off having a good, a good knowledge of the Irish language. But what I, my experience has been, I'll go so far as to say it is probably one of the last, if not the last, area of journalism where you can still pitch in the old-fashioned way that I would have known, that Kieran would have known, that Claire would have known. Now, I know it's a restrictive group of people that can do it, but if you're uh, anywhere near, you can go back to your secondary school or your college Irish and refurbish it to the point where you can write and do some journalism, I would strongly recommend it. Um, because when you think about it, in the freelance market there's a lot of competition. But if the Irish language press and media sector, and there are some very, very good websites in the Irish language at the moment, if people don't have the language to do the piece for them, then it cuts out a lot of the competition for you. I mean, that's being very brutal about it. And in my case, it has brought me work uh, with the Irish press group. It has brought me PR work with Forest uh, Nagelia, with Coltis Kjolthori Erden, with various other groups. I would say mix and match your journalism with other forms of communication. So if I wasn't uh, uh, in full-time employment, or if I wasn't doing journalism full-time, then I did PR, I did campaigns, I worked for local groups, national groups. But as Claire was saying, I would say be ethical about that. There should be no conflicts of interest. You develop your own brand, your own name, your own website, your own business cards, all of that kind of stuff. And on the conflicts of interest, I think the test is something like, ask yourself the question, in this particular PR job that I'm doing or this particular piece of journalism I'm doing, am I on both sides of the conversation? Am I originating the material and I'm then in a position where I'm writing that material and evaluating it and editing it for a media outlet? I think that's what it boils down to very, very simply. Keep a portfolio, keep a virtual portfolio. You need to have something that when the question comes up, have you done much in this line? You can say, yeah, I have. I actually have a little 
memory stick, I can send it to you, or I can send you on five or six pieces. Don't, what I'm saying is, I'm being, trying to be practical, don't be at the stage where if you get a call or an email from somebody saying, have you some more stuff, or what have you done in that line, where you say, look, I'd have to get back to you on that. And then you have to root around for five or six days, because I think it was, um, um, it was Albert Reynolds, actually, who said on one occasion, opportunity comes to pass, not to pause. And if there's some other freelance out there who's better organised than you are and can lay their hand quickly on the material and give it back to the commissioning editor to show them they're potentially the person to do the job, they'll get it and you won't. Training is important. Keep up to date with relevant training, training courses and skills. One of the good things now is at the local authority level through the local enterprise offices and various organisations like that, there are very, very good business courses. And it's even from a practical point of view of learning cash flow and all of that kind of stuff. When I went out and started on Farua, the GA Unplugged, by far the best thing I did was I went to the local enterprise office for a course for about six or eight months on how to manage cash flow, how to organise a business, how to strategise, how to plan. Otherwise, it would have tanked after about one year instead of lasting for a dozen. Uh, Writing courses, TV courses, possibly even, as I said, Irish language courses. Keep your CV up to date. Again, going back to what I was saying about your portfolio. Avoid the situation where somebody says, I'm interested in that piece you sent me. I liked it. We're going to publish it. Uh, and we'd like to do some more. But I'd just like to know a little bit more about you. Can you send me on your CV? Do not be the person who has to root around for a week or 10 days and go to drawers and you know, look stuff up to get your, have it ready, keep it running, add to it according as things happen. Because you want to be able to say to that person when they ask for the CV, yeah, I have it. Actually, when I put down the phone, I'll send it to you. Because think about it, you're in a market and put yourself in the place of the person who's asked you for the CV. They've asked you for the CV because they're interested in getting more work from you. But if you say to them, look, I don't actually, I don't have a CD there. Well, I have one, but it's about three years out of date. If you just give me to the weekend, I'll bring it up to date. I'm say, oh, geez, right, okay. Next, please. That's the danger. Um, do your best, obviously. Be reliable. There is a deadline. Deliver on the deadline. It doesn't always happen. Keep in contact with your editors, with the people who want you to write the stuff what your progress is, how near you are to delivering, all of that kind of stuff. No surprises for people. Um, and obviously do your very best in whatever you do because returns and referrals from happy customers are the best way of maintaining and building your business, your job as a freelance. And once you get a foot in a door, any door, whatever it might be, and you get something published, come back soon with another developed idea. Mm -hmm. So I just leave you with three things to think about as you're, you're, you're embarking on this. Routine. Build a routine. Keep to a routine. Be disciplined. And be persistent. Thank you.